like a displacement okay i can just and 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 send the voice note and then yeah. oh god knows how much they can think and talk to it is insane and you do not have to like burn it uh, you shifting to voice notes which i don't like at all <laughs> uh, but yeah <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Chirag, and we have our usuals on the Synapse Pod today. We have Sniper, Ayush. We have Avinash, who's yet to give us a good name. I said Striker. Striker. <laughs> He's Striker. But we have a very special guest today with us, and that guest is Pulkit. Pulkit, what's up, bro? Yo. So Pulkit is running this amazing SaaS startup called Emitter, and uh, they're going to, of course, give us some amazing news in the. coming time which pulkit may or may not tell us today but uh, uh, it's going to be a very uh, interesting one so what we are going to cover today is all about saas um, which is software as a service specifically software startups which are built for either smbs or enterprises one very interesting thing which um, we can start off with uh, and um, and i'm sure like yeah. pulkit would back us up on that is that the indian saas revenue in uh, uh, By 2020, 2021 was about eight billion dollars, and it is predicted to be about hundred billion dollars in the next five years till 2026. And the crazy part is that from 2010 to 2020, about ten or uh, eight, eight unicorns came up in the SaaS space specifically for India. But the crazy part is that in the last two years itself, ten unicorns have come up yeah. specifically in the SaaS space, like Hasura and Observe and all these. Mela, are these Indian? Yeah, these are Indian. These are specifically Indian. More are yet to come. Yeah, more are yet to come, and and yeah. we are sure that we have some people who will be building SaaS unicorns in this room right now <laughs> with us. So Pulkit, so so Pulkit, yeah, we'll do this very candidly. I just wanted to know uh, how is Emitter evolved? What is the thesis behind it? What's the story like? Or mela, how did how did you guys just come up with a SaaS idea? Why did you choose to do SaaS? and everything about it and of course like we go way back for couple of years when we were still building in the initial fancy phases yes yes we have a we had a common vc <laughs> so would love to know yaar ki matlab how did you guys begin yeah absolutely so i'll share from the starting only then yeah. so like i was like uh, like i was doing freelancing on voice uh, space i was coming from the engineering background and i was also working with uh, some of the saas products and my other co-founder was also working with some of the saas for like some of the saas companies and uh, like i was doing freelancing on the voice space and mm-hmm. we just came up with a thought like uh, just like there are like no code platforms for like building android applications ios applications just like that why can't there be uh, a no code platform for building voice skills voice applications mm-hmm. that's where we came up with our thesis we started building we started selling and Uh, that's where we start. Like so, like from our previous ventures, we learned that you should like start selling before even building something. Mm-hmm. So that's where we started selling that, and we building. We parallelly we build like we were building something uh, like very minimal, uh, and from there we reached out to like local businesses in the US, and we were selling to that. So when you say no code platform for voice, do you mean like? Uh, it's literally a plug and play or a drag drop kind of a thing where I could configure. any kind of a voice application where i had to do uh, get some utilities out of it or value yeah so absolutely it's it's uh, kind of like similar to like there are some set of questionnaires you just mm-hmm. have to we kept it very minimal we didn't want to 
go deep into the tech without actually validating if this is something that works or not. So we did like a small questionnaire based on that we built out a voice skill, uh, uh, Alexa skill or Google Home application. So that is what we built and you can do transactions over voice like let's say you can book a laundry, book a cleaning, request okay. a code. That is what we were building. Got it. So that was attached to the API and you would just like uh, do voice to text and then convert it and oh that's fantastic. Then then what happened? Like how did you evolve into the present form and I know like you've built a massive application suite of emitter. So we were selling to like local businesses, businesses like cleaning business, home service business, other home service businesses. So one of the cleaning, uh, like we had customers, but our customers were not getting any customers from that. So just before, like before they come to us and like asking this, we only went to them. Like we went, like we, like we asked them, like we bought your software, but why did you actually buy that? Like we, we started selling, but why did you buy that? Uh, and like from our past like SaaS experience, we knew people buy software to solve an underlying problem. So we we wanted to understand that underlying problem. So one of our customer told that uh, I bought the software because I assumed like if I have a presence on voice, people will stop calling me stop calling me because I'm slammed with calls and like people are calling him calling me after office hours, after business hours, during business hours also a lot of times. Uh, uh, the phones get, uh, phones are busy and I cannot answer. And every time I'm, I'm missing calls, I'm losing an opportunity to sell. So from there, the idea came like, the, like we realized that, like that uh, people miss, businesses miss calls. These are not e-commerce business where people shop online. These are local business. People search on Google, dentist near me, cleaner near me. Mm. So that is what uh, the behavior is. And uh, like uh, theoretically he was saying, right? that he can stop missing calls if I, if he has another channel. But practically, like it is not on ground, it is not true. Like you cannot change consumer behavior. People are still used to searching on Google, dentist near me or cleaning, cleaning company in Seattle. That is how people were doing, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like searching for the business. Yeah. So yeah. that's where the problem discovery happened. Now the problem was discovered, but we didn't even know the solution. That's when like we went like, before even actually like discovering the solution, we validated whether it's a large enough problem to solve also or not. We interviewed like hundred plus businesses uh, to identify if this is a large enough problem. And like this common trend like came from everyone. So uh, like after that, we went into that zone of solving that problem. We iterated two, three things, uh, two, three solutions. And after that, like we identified a solution of solving the problem of missed calls with text-based automation. And that's where the solution discovery happened. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was the starting point of our like journey. Yeah. And after that, we like that, uh, like we went into that feedback loop, uh, like asking more and more problems from our customers. Even our like customers also gained a trust in our, like trust in us by then, uh, they never thought a software can solve such a problem for them. Having more people to answer calls was the only solution. So that's where the, uh, like they gained a trust in us and they started coming to us with more and more problems and we realized that in this complete customer journey, there are so many like touch points that are broken. There are so many problems that are unsolved and this is still a very underserved market even in the US. Like, uh, like businesses are using six, seven different tools uh, to solve six, seven different problems. Like, uh, like we as like engineers, marketers or internet first users, we are used to opening let's say 50 different tabs in a Chrome browser. But if you see behavior of these, uh, like users of our platform are not tech savvy like you and me. 
So like users of our platform are front desk managers, receptionists in such offices. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, like handling so many platforms is a challenging task for them. Mm -hmm. And still their problems are unsolved. Mm -hmm. So that's where we identified to like build a complete communication platform, bringing in everything into one place and mm -hmm. solve all those unsolved problems and generate value for them. Makes sense. So would you also say that this is some kind of a combination of IVR, a plus uh, text-based automation where people like a chat, live chat, XYZ, like is that a combo of that or is it something completely different? Yeah, now we do like even the phone system we provide. So you can say now it's a complete combo. It, it yeah. co like brings everything and yeah. interesting part is like with whatever we build, mm -hmm. we integrate the, their CRMs. Mm -hmm. Like they have their own vertical CRMs. They are not like, uh, they do not use CRMs like Salesforce or HubSpot. Mm -hmm. They have their own vertical CRM. So uh, with what you said, like IVR, uh, this phone system, mm -hmm. or like the automations that are there for like built for them, everything is integrated with the, uh, like this CRM, scheduling software. Actually something that's coming to my mind, I remember, it was I think 2018 or 2019 when Google I.O. happened, hmm. in which Sundar Bichai actually showcased the first time a Google Assistant is doing the entire voice-based task management, right? Yeah. From like booking a restaurant to arranging a time slot to everything. And literally I think that was so viral at that time hmm. because it was something never thought of, right? And that was scary as well hmm. for a lot of people. But yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense that voice has always been uh, taken a backseat because we as a tech first people have been screen first, right? Whether it is on phone, whether it's on laptop or iPad, we are comfortable in managing text based mm -hmm. solutions. And that's why most of the innovation happened there. So I think that's a very specific thing that you have figured out. And yeah. Pulgit, I, I think I have two takeaways from yeah. your uh, discussion till now is one, uh, you started selling before you had the product. You said, and uh, I mean, you, you wanted to sell first and then build the product. And second, that you wanted to analyze like how big is the market, right? right. So these, I mean, I, I want to touch upon these two points and ask more about you, more, more from you about these two. First is, how do you start selling if you do not have a product? Because uh, in SaaS industry, I had this uh, assumption that you are giving up software to, a, to an enterprise or SMB and they will want the product to be working, right? Then how do you start selling that? That is my first one. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So when I start selling, when I said I start, like we started selling, I also meant that we uh, like started like validating the problem. We started validating the solution, mm -hmm. but like you cannot always go and validate uh, with the customers. Like you have to validate, you have to ask questions to understand, to like iterate on the product and iterate on the problem and solution. But like, uh, when I say this, uh, like uh, like we started selling without even building, so we built very minimal thing. Like even now, like there are so many things that are not automated, uh, that are not there on the like on the interface that we give to them. They are on the like on the backend, but still our like for our customers it solves the problem. So like in the initial days when you have to like uh, validate something, it is not necessary that you build out a complete solution, uh, complete product. You can like do it in a hacky way also. You can combine two, three tools and that. I'm sure you might know, like yeah, you yeah, also yeah. started your journey. So, but I would like to ask you a question that when you meant sales, was it revenue or was it validation? Because you can get validation by asking people whether they need it or not. And that's sometime they say, they don't know what they want. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like our thesis, like there's no right or wrong answer to it, this, but 
like for us we started charging our customers from day one uh, we did not want them to try it out and uh, to that we just like sold because for them we are solving a problem so whether we do it in a hacky way or whether we like build out a perfect product and give it to them uh, it should solve their underlying problem so for them they are willing to pay and we are like willing to charge them and we also felt like if you are charging and if someone is paying they will like uh, take you more seriously yeah. it doesn't happen all the time but in like i would say most of the times it happens like people take you seriously uh, like they are paying you money otherwise they take it uh, take you for granted like yeah. because that's a free software yeah. if i'm like uh, doesn't matter if i'm using it or not so that that's very interesting actually if you were charging from day one but that's i believe is only possible when they do they don't have any alternative right yeah. so was it a, like a white space when you entered or was it a white space for that niche that you were okay. targeting okay so yeah that's true so in our case we were creating a new category okay. there was no uh, like the problem was like, like they were aware of the problem but they were not aware of the solution mm. uh, there were very few like tools and they were also building like we figured out our like uh, like our way like by ourselves only like in this on the solution journey so there were not many tools that were like people were doing solving it via a different way some people were doing via text we were like via voice we were doing via text uh, so like everyone was figuring out the solution at that time so for them there are not alternatives the the existing alternative for them that was there was voicemail like calls were going to the voicemail or there were manual answering services mm-hmm. which they like which they never liked because the manual like answering services they do not give the same customer experience uh like which the main business owner uh very interesting actually i remember that so we don't have a lot of culture in india but the voicemail culture so let's yeah. say if nobody picks up your phone you press star and then you drop your message and on the landlines and when you enter home the first thing that you do is check out your voicemails so so yeah it makes sense yeah, i think it was some kind of a precursor to voice notes and india literally runs on voice notes now the amount of voice notes people send specifically in tier 2 and tier 3 because some of our businesses are taking care of that it is insane they do not type at all same in china actually when i was traveling in china all the time that people are doing nothing but listening to their voice, voice chats that that was the first time i saw that culture like yeah. that ex- behavior of using voice notes yeah. but that i thought that is the reason uh, the reason for that is that the typing in chinese language is tough and it mm-hmm. takes more time that's why they prefer voice note but now when i'm seeing you shifting to voice notes which i don't like at all uh, but yeah <laughs> i think i'm becoming more indian by the day <laughs> yeah but i think uh, people usually take the least amount of effort path which is more like a displacement okay i can just and 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 send the voice note and i'm be yeah. done instead of typing it's not same with everyone also because that is where the like core of a business is like you cannot change the behavior from day one like Yeah. Uh, like you start you started sending voice notes to him yeah. and <laughs> then but he is used to listening to it like yeah. now the behavior has changed i tell you one thing when i talk about behavior so like when i bought my first alexa right after three or four instructions i ran out of ideas what to talk right but when i look at my nephews who are like 6 years old or 7 year old oh god knows how much they can think and talk to it is insane right so, <laughs> so they are born with it like yeah. so that's what i think that amount of innovation that they can bring in mm-hmm. because for them having a voice based communication voice based instruction is so natural 
that i think they can think of those ideas which you and me can't even think of right yeah. now yeah and me being the futurist me i'm also thinking like before we go on to the telepathic mode of communication this would be the major frontier before we like yeah, shift sure. towards like i can zap so you you're going to have a brain chip in your right probably def- I'll, i'll be the first customer of neuralink you're going to volunteer for that <laughs> i will i will i don't mind if it's uh, if elon also does it with me well <laughs> <laughs> i'm fine <laughs> but but that's very fun, uh, fantastic uh, first few steps for uh, emitter pulkit but uh, one one thing which i had in mind was like how did you find your first customer what that, and those stories are always very special right so that's so the first dollar which hit your bank account the first customer what is that story and how did you choose that you wanted to build for the smb space and not for the bigger enterprise space so both uh, how did you make that choice that is a very critical choice for any kind of a saas startup so there's an interesting story behind that also and we actually started selling uh when it was christmas time when everyone is super busy uh, super yeah. yeah and people say that you cannot make sales during uh, it's not easy like you can make sales but it's not easy to uh, like make sales during christmas time christmas and new year time so uh, we had like that we wanted to validate we wanted to sell uh, like a hacky solution but we thought like it's not the best time to actually go and uh, like take money out of them rather uh it's a like time you you give something to them so we actually uh, built a very like cool like snowy effect uh, that was super easy like it was a one hour job for us to build out that snowy effect uh, like plugin for website and we just like gave it like uh, gave it uh, like circulated in different groups in different communities uh, like for free and that's where we gained the trust uh, like that's where we gained their attention like we got around like 100 comments uh, from that from that single post we were sitting out of excel or office at that time wow. only so wow so like like a special effect like yeah special effect there's nothing you can get it for free online also like a greeting probably was it like a christmas greeting it was like a christmas snow effect on the website ah oh so anybody can put that on their website you can get it from free from the like uh, from the like maybe store also plugin store but It's just that these businesses are not aware of they are not searching for it mm-hmm. but we when when we like showed them they were very excited with that and we got so many uh, like uh, like leads so that just to get that we helped them install installing that code also we wanted to have that conversation yeah. we thought we said that we will install that code on your website and uh, like we installed and we had that small conversation and we like then they also asked like what do you do uh, and then we like from there the conversation was initiated and like when they came up came back from like after their christmas holidays we then pitched our product and we started selling so that's how like uh, like that's how we got our initial customers that is so cool man like these first the first first revenue stories are the coolest which i like that says something which i always want to ask people and and uh, what do you think about that decision ki okay did you stumble upon the smb market or did you like have a proper strategy okay this is the tam this is the kind of target market and this is the size and that is why we want to go after or fir uh, or, or there the other opportunities enterprise and how us first yeah on top of it why not india why not any other southeast asia country yeah absolutely so in for the us part uh, both anmol was also my other co-founder was also working with uh, like saas companies and he was also working with uh, like north american market in wingify like many of their customers are there and i was also working while 
working with my previous uh, like startups at an AK Mojo. I was also working SaaS startup. So uh, we were both fascinated by the US market because they already like uh, like the software ecosystem is much more developed there in US than in India. Uh, to give you one example, like in US, uh, like if you consider, if you see that system of records layer, CRM layer is already very much uh, developed and like uh, like in the US market. If we go in our industry also, 90% of the business businesses already have like a CRM in place. While in India, people still use pen paper. Yeah. Uh, like like if you go to any dental practice or veterinary practice, you won't see any like software. Like, it is very like my sister still doesn't use it. She runs a dental clinic in Delhi. So you have to in India. India is in India also. There is opportunity, but in India that opportunity is to build out that base layer and then build things on the top of it. So Katabuk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's a good example. So yeah, uh, that is how in India it moves. So that's why we wanted to go after US market. Oh come on, it's the US dollar, nothing else. Let me put it like that. <laughs> you can say that also, like it's a like price point is higher there. There's a that was a famous narrative, like back in 2015 to 2018. So all these uh, SaaS-based startups, whether it's Chargebee or Fresdesk and all, there were very simple thesis that SaaS in India is a no-no from all the investors, right? And SaaS in, in, in US, sitting out of India, used to always shine more because you will have the cost benefit analysis point of view, you know, engineers from India, revenue in dollars. Yeah. So that you can't ignore that fact, right? But now people are talking about that this leverage, you know, that is shrinking now or is it not? Specifically for like US market, you're saying, yeah. uh, I would say not shrinking, it's still growing because the opportunity is still there. Like you can create opportunity there. Like, like as I was say, like as I was saying, like that base layer is already there in US. Uh, you have to build on top of it. Now, like someone else will come and build uh, another layer on top of it. So that's how it will like keep on evolving it. But the cost like of engineers in India is also shooting up, right? It is like at some places it's even matching up with the US salaries. Mm -hmm. So that leverage people used to have on that regard. Okay, from that price point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, like maybe, uh, like in our case, we didn't see because uh, maybe it's because of the like uh, stage or maybe it's because of uh, like, like you can charge your customers also more by increasing more and more, like adding more and more capabilities, to more and more, like solving more and more problems. So you can like, uh, like increase your price point also. That's how you can like play, like in SaaS, you have to gain profit out of that. So, uh, but yeah, maybe that's true, like that can, uh, that will like, yeah. like uh, in in SaaS ecosystem, that will actually like that problem will come like eventually. Like more and more competitors will come. You have to sell your product for like cheaper price. So there you have to distinguish yourself uh, by not selling at cheaper price. So that those problems will come eventually. Mm -hmm. In our industry, we are not facing uh, like that problem because ours is like still a very underserved market. Yeah. So uh, maybe if you go to any like CRM marketplace, like CRM market. Uh, like competing with any CRM there, like it's super competitive. So, so just, just because Pulkit has mentioned profit, I would like to <laughs> dig deep onto that. So, and this is, this is a question which I'm opening to everyone, right? Uh, so we know that we are, we've entered at least initial phases of recession and we have talked a lot on that in the previous pods as well. Secondly, funding slowdown, slowdown uh, for different various stages of company. We do not, the IPO market has dried down specifically for startups we do not see any ipo window open in the next 18 months at least 
there are two types of startups which are left one who are well capitalized who are now completely cutting down their burn and trying to focus on free cash flow as an entity or reach profitability and the second is who have to like survive and burn they have to burn to survive but they are also well capitalized right others who are not well capitalized are already under the rug right so so in this scenario pulkit right and others as well now 18 months is the time window that i have talked about what do you see as the first at at your scale of seed series a series b any kind of scale what do you think will be the major challenges now that you will you predict you guys predict in the next 6 to 8 to 10 months and then how would you essentially and that's a very tricky question keep the burn down but grow at the same time without uh, burning a lot of cash because that's the market sentiment so what what are your thoughts on that so like i would say that is to uh, this uh, like this is something we are like every day like witnessing and uh, so uh, like this funding market like funding situation is slowing down mm-hmm. uh, but i still believe like this is like for the like a very late stage company maybe someone raising like 100 million dollar uh, capital like they are raising that much amount of money it's like uh, like slightly difficult for them mm-hmm. but maybe for the like early stages series a till series a uh, like it's not that big problem because if you are doing well like the mar- like money is there in the market money is still there in the market yeah. uh, to Would deploy that yeah that is my perspective uh, yeah, and yeah. and i also felt like uh, like this is something i learned from anmol like like if the market is like if everyone is slowing down it's your opportunity to actually like go fast mm-hmm. and capture because they are not taking away like those customers so if everyone is going like slowing down yeah. it's a opportunity yeah. and Makes but sense. you like you go smart like uh, like like you do not have to like burn it uh, but you like you have to burn money to get customers but still you can go smart uh, for example like uh, like to give you one example we identified like we we still like experiment a lot uh, to identify what are the channels uh, that like what are the more channels that can work uh-huh. to acquire more and more customers so while experimenting we realized that uh this is this is this a channel is there mm-hmm. uh with which we can also acquire this is the, like like there's one new channel that we identified mm-hmm. and there are some existing channels or there are some two three other channels so we we realized that that a channel is super expensive so like let's wait for some time for that a channel and rather uh, go after those double down on those existing channels only uh so that is how like you go smart but you do not stop your growth that is what like i feel because like that's the opportunity for you to like capture the market also makes sense so you're saying in the next 8 to 10 months growth will be something which you guys will definitely be focusing on experimenting at fr- like frugal experimentation right we'll be finding more channels without incurring a lot of burn cost for sure and uh, so how would you uh, also then if that is the case then how would you look at the hiring challenges as well because i'm sure people a lot of let's circle back to the previous point i would say which one this one again right recession is coming and people are like this is a golden opportunity mm. as of now mm. like for me one of the most inspiring statement is that facebook and company like google all they came out of the time when everything else were getting busted mm. right. right it always inspired me this situation and this exactly what happens that you know that people cut down their experimental cost mm. at a company who are let's say 3 or 4 stages above you and they lay off people 
so you know you get an opportunity to hire people yeah. you get opportunity to do a lot of experiments right and even marketing online becomes less competitive yeah, right. than what it was before so yeah i i per, would like to add on that that personally this is scary you know that you might not be able to raise funds in the coming time frame but if you plan it more better i think this is a good time to innovate yeah basically there are two things that's going to happen let's say if if every company or every smb or every enterprise that is as is trying to sell is facing the heat then they'll also try to cut down their cost so it becomes challenging as well as it becomes i mean it it's a it's a ground where you have the challenges you have the opportunity i mean anyone who's moving fast enough swift enough can like capitalize that right otherwise other right otherwise people are like trying to stop their expenses across the board yeah i agree so actually i just met someone uh, as a friend of mine in germany who's running a shipping company and he is right now saying that you know as i expect things to slow down i need to make my system more efficient i need to cut down my resources cost exactly. and he's actually building a software for himself on the shipping side mm-hmm. you know buying a couple of more softwares to improve efficiency mm-hmm. so i was so like impressed with his thought process this is a time for him to get more efficient mm-hmm. at the system i think i think everyone as soon as uh, any hints of recession come everyone starts to guide in their cocoon and then try to optimize their cost ah uh, yeah absolutely frugal it's like day day zero where you have nothing left i was sharing with ayush a very funny thing not funny thing actually a very culturally opposite thing so i was sh- discussing recession again with a german friend and i was telling him you know that as we are foreseeing recession everyone is stop spending and he for a second didn't get it he like why would they do that i'm like why will not because he said your money in your hand is going to get devalued and you'll be able to buy lesser number of things in the coming few months so whatever expense you have which you have to do it do it right now because your money value more you buy asset so he is he actually bought a car because you know he that he had to buy a car and he bought a car and i was like is it just your thought process because he has been a business guy so he interacts with a lot of people so he can have some general awareness he said that's a common thought process across all the people that i know that is a very common that you start <laughs> that you buy like right a european thought process maybe european thought process or very consumers i mean consumer facing he 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 imports cars and say the number of orders has shot up yeah yeah i was like what <laughs> insane that's a, i i that sounds very contrary everyone everyone this kind of recession for sure <laughs> yeah so so, uh, so so then coming back to the hiring part right uh, uh, i think uh, there are only two types of people which we hire either we hire learners or we hire guides right people who can guide the learners specifically for zero to one phase so what i also believe is the guides who are usually expensive who are seasoned veterans for a particular industry become cheaper as a more accessible, more accessible yeah. because there's less competition market correctness market corrections <laughs> yes so so it also becomes a good place for getting the best of the talent who will literally give a roundabout vision in the org and get a lot of learners so i feel somehow hiring should not be affected specifically for early stage startups maybe for late stage startups who have overhired of course will lay off but so what how are you guys looking at hiring like in the next few months irrespective so in terms of like hiring is something like we like we always like at this stage right now if you are facing any problem we like we like we hire to solve that problem so that is how we are going about mm-hmm. in this hiring and 
like for us uh, right now we we do not see maybe in future we will see that but right now we are not seeing any like change in the hiring ecosystem for now uh, uh, but yeah that is how like we are like seeing but yeah your question was that only right or yeah. what exactly yeah. so how are you guys uh, looking at hiring like are you planning to keep the same ideology that you want to rapidly hire and quickly because the talent will be cheaper now or do you want to go slow and see optimize your cost maximize your revenue or all hiring will be focused towards sales side what are you thinking so i would say like there's no like uh, there's no change in plan of the hiring uh, like based on like whether like there's a like we we do not we are not seeing from that perspective that we will be getting like uh, talent at the cheaper cost uh, like because we do not have to we do not also want to uh, like uh, we have to spend wisely mm-hmm. and that's why i was uh, telling you our approach like uh, if there are problems like let's say if we have 10 problems we like hire like people according to like those 10 problems mm-hmm. or sometimes we foresee problems like if we are able to generate enough pipeline and if we are able to hire people on time then we foresee the problems ki like let's say after 2 months or after 3 months we might need uh, this person so we start hiring for that but uh, right now we are not changing scenarios based like hiring uh, like like uh, like hiring uh, in like based on the scenario that is going like so hiring is the same makes sense and how are you guys looking at uh, in my case it worked it's working for the good hiring yeah i think yeah. Uh, the amount or like amount and the quality of talent the amount of cv that i'm getting through the network they have improved and they have increased absolutely it just makes sense that talent would be more accessible so interestingly let's so like i've been hiring for a key position and uh, it was very interesting to know from some of the uh, candidates that i was interviewing is that uh, since they understand that there is going to be a recession or there is going to be a slowdown in terms of uh, uh, job opportunities and everything and if let's say they are stuck in a business that is not growing or in a company that is not growing so they want to make a switch right now mm. before oh. things go down i appreciate that kind of ideology do, do how can people are they able to predict and forecast that this company is not going to do Very well things. I mean no one is the pr based right the other is free cash flows and if people will be able to raise money or not and the basic fundamentals I mean, of a company yeah. any any person who is in a key hire role in any company knows a lot of things about the company or about the brand or whatever so yeah so i mean people are making trying to make a switch right now so that they can spend like next 2 3 years in a company which is growing which would like uh, ride properly in these downturns and all those things i'll tell you a very crazy thing just on that for key hires i know some people across some companies uh, which i would not name but they even know that if that company is overvalued undervalued and what is the valuation multiple and we are just talking about mid level key hires that and they are able to predict if their stock value is actually real like yeah. the realized stock value will be better in the next one year or two year and whether they want to stay or not that that's a part of the it's a good thing yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like one of the hiring that I was doing, he actually asked me that, "Do you have budgets to sustain my yeah. salary?" That's a good. Thing. I was like, "Thank you, uh, thank you for asking that." I would say in the last, like in the last, like uh, three, four people we hired, like every person like asked this question. So, uh, it's I also enjoy answering yeah, the question, yeah, but yeah. yeah. But I think uh, coming back to the SaaS part, I have one important point, mm-hmm. or I would say discussion for all of us, is the competitive landscape. see we are always subjected to the fact that even if it's a white space but the bigger giants right who are who have put up a lot of resources who know where the market dynamics is 
and your success is not hidden it's a very connected world so how do you answer to yourself first and to the investors and to the people that the you will be able to sustain against the competition like because in the google voice right it's a big uh, segment itself right and for them to come up with a voice related product which can help smbs to manage their things i, I know i know it might not be their focus but it can be their focus so how do you address that kind of questions right i think that is a very tricky question for any kind of a startup and that that's something no actually we can take an example of microsoft right microsoft since a very long time for a very long time they have been like focusing their cloud business only for enterprises yeah amazon came with aws google came with gcp uh, and like google cloud. google cloud and everything but they kept their focus to enterprise suite right but suddenly like few years back they started rolling out um their cloud solution to smbs to other anyone who's just wanted to get on the cloud and build their apps and like that so that happened with the company yeah they so they go generic very quickly yeah. but i think the beauty of individual startups is the massive targeting to the niche so there's this show also which i which i don't know if you guys have seen it but called the office and i remember yeah. a very particular scene from that so these guys are trying to go and sell uh, yeah. their paper right to a to a very big company and then there is a big corporate who is also selling so he says why should i buy from you uh, i can only buy i can literally buy from them they are literally 10 cents cheaper than you then he says okay fine i'll tell you why you should buy from me he can, he actually dials the big corporates customer care number he hands them and it just goes on dialer tone and nothing and he says but i am here this is my personal number i do not sleep <laughs> call me whenever and i will help you out so he's like you got the contract i think that personalization that personalization of the niche that's a very fictional personalization you were talking yeah but but i just feel having their customers no i get that but what i feel is that that exact specialization in that particular niche which a startup can provide and that kind of a commitment correct so i i can witness this like in our case also like we are getting customers from like from bigger competitors to us because of this this reason support support is the key uh, like key thing in like saas uh, like which people like uh, like they are like getting like very bad support right now like businesses are getting they are not getting response they have no one to like hear them yeah so uh, so that is the problem that is there and uh, that's where like you can create a key differentiator yeah. like based on support as well like yeah. support is support can be a mode for any business Uh, like it's a very underrated thing but no it's actually brilliant because see to be very honest amazon is built on customer support the customer delight is their one key kpi and and to to and and what the kind of customization love care which a small startup can provide to have that on scale for very big even the biggest of giants which it's kind of tricky and in saas there is one more thing uh, like support actually brings sales uh, so support gives feedback you know like customer is asking let's say uh, like two more things apart from the things that you are already selling they are like let's say they are sharing two more problems and you can solve those problems also for everyone or you already have those problems but if no one is here to do, like no one is there to hear that problem you can't sell like yeah. two more capabilities mm. but if you have a good support uh, then you can sell two more and upsell that So that is a way to actually generate sales. Let me let me play my trivia game. Okay, trivia game is for everyone, right? So the trivia game is, 
we all know the concept of free cash flows right for the consumers who do not know it's about the money which comes in the bank before the money which leaves out of the bank and it's free when money coming in is more than the money coming going out right so amount it comes timing of course it comes comes in first and goes it goes and goes out later on, even if it is like so i'm not talking about profitability yeah i'm talking about free cash flows yeah, that's what yeah Tell i'm yeah so for example like uh, there is a company a okay and this is a part of the trivia there is a company a who who has a certain bank balance and every single year they add 100 million dollars more to their bank balance cash right cut out all the expenses ebita margins blah blah bullshit nothing every single year they add 100 million dollars to the bank account simple in free cash flows right and they can use this cash to do whatever this is the scenario of the company a now the, pro, the the point is would you own the shares of this company a would you buy the shares of this company a if every single year whenever this 100 million dollars is added the share value is also diluted by let's say 5% so what i'm saying is additional cash flow being added but the share value of the company which is a publicly listed company would also keep on depleting because the company keeps on creating more number of shares would you buy shares of company a or would you buy shares of company b which is not a free cash flow company and just burning cash and continuously growing growing at the cost of anything or everything and just running for market share who would you want to own uh, a share of a or b i want to make money so i would go with b and maybe i'll make money faster there if i have to invest money that is how that is what your question was na yeah uh, like which company would you invest yeah. like if the share value is increasing yeah. i want to make money i want to like be on that ship which uh, makes money yeah so you would you would look at flipping uh and just being a part of b irrespective of the fundamentals right i mean i should would you, you are just making him feel bad no no it's choice. why it's a, no it's and a fundamental anger is there right of it's course it's it's stage. it's, it's, stage it's for every early stage, stage. Sure <laughs> i'm just i'm just questioning i'm just questioning how your thought process it's a choice of the founder of management of course it's more like early stage investor than late stage investor and like this is something i recently like learned that there is no right or wrong path on this on this also like uh, like if there is a company which is burning money and uh, like growing fast uh, irrespective of like how much they are adding like you all that is what you are saying referring yeah. to right so uh, that is something they are achieving achieving something for future like if they are let's say not uh, like if you consider a company like and there is a competitor uh, there are multiple competitors to every company if one company is not growing fast uh, someone else will take their customers mm. so instead of like letting them take like uh, like like letting someone else take the customers they take those customers at a higher cost that is what they are doing right now yeah. uh, they know that they can like once they they are like once a brand is built uh, now people will come to that uh, like b company only so mm. that is like that is the new age approach that people are following makes sense i mean ash what would be your answer see uh I have a different way to answer this question. Let's say if I have hundred dollars, and if I have to invest hundred dollars, then I would invest thirteen A and seventeen B, because the A, though my share, uh, my share in the company, my proportion of the share is reducing, but it's gonna be hopefully giving out dividends, right? Because it's making money year on year. So this can be my cash cow primarily, 
and I would put my 70% in B because that way I will have more risk to it, but then I have more gains also. So, what is your answer, Ayush? Uh, so, thing is that uh, as you said, the company A is issuing new shares, which is diluting the, the value of my yeah, shares share and eventually share value. So, I would not want to invest in that company because tomorrow, if my value of the share goes zero, I don't get any dividend or I don't get any payout. I do not have any value of the share, right? No, but no, it's of course creating new shares, but you're also getting more shares. The value of the share, the net total and value and of the share. Of, shares. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the value but the value per share is depleted. You'll have to put in more money to get more shares. But the value no. of shares is increasing. Va of course. So if isn't it obvious like yeah. if the value per share, the share price which is listed, if I create more number of shares, it'll go down. Right. I'm not getting that new issue share unless it's a kind of a no. Right. Old investors always get a multiple if new shares are no. There are no no. Chira, there are two different kind of scenarios. One where there's a stock split. Stock split means that I held one share which was of hundred dollars. Now stock split happens at one is to five. Now one share is equal to five shares now, and every share is twenty dollars. Yeah. So here suddenly the number of shares increased to five x. And I have all the five shares. So eventually my value yes. is 100. So that's exactly so, what I'm talking so about. That, so that's exactly what I'm talking so about. The stock split is happening in such a way that 5% of value is diluting each year. Talk, sorry. The stock split is happening in such a way that 5% of the share value is depleting every single year. And over a period of, let's say, 5 years or 10 years. See, one thing. Whenever, so uh, there's, there's a, this discussion I've added earlier also with one of my friends. Question is, is stock splitting beneficial for the company or not? Hmm. My take was back then, when it, this, this discussion happened when Tesla stock splitting was about to happen. Hmm. My friend held some of Tesla's stock. So, question was, should I hold, hold on to it or not? My analysis or my understanding was that stock splitting is a good thing for a company because yeah. suddenly your stock is unreachable or overvalued for a lot of people and suddenly you have increased a lot of new people to come into the yeah. system which will value the shares differently and it will increase in a long term and that actually happened somehow that after stock splint Tesla has been on rally. So if this is the case then definitely I'll want to have company. my shares in company A yeah. and uh, and I would why would I not want to have my share in Please. company B because it is growing. Perfect. So when the time comes right, hit that and raise capital. That's that's a very key core advice. But thanks a lot, guys. Thank you so much, Pulkit. This was fantastic and all the best for you and Emitter and Anmol. I'm sure like whenever you go IPO, we will be the first shareholders <laughs> in terms of that. But thanks a lot, man. Thank you so much. All right, guys. See you. Until next week. Bye.